Welcome to Go Into All the World. Now here's your host, Gary Griffinhagen. Hey, God bless you all. I appreciate you listening today. You know, last week I mentioned that we have a new three-part format and kind of been introducing it the last couple weeks. And if you remember, part one is living the Christian life. And today I want to talk a little bit about the person I mentioned last week, Matt Maher, and talk a little bit, what can we learn from his life? How can we sort of integrate some things from his life or look at some things from his life and walk in our Christian walk or put into our Christian life? Well, remember, I presented Matt's story last week. He had a, basically a career-threatening injury. He decided to go out for a few drinks, uh, had too many, and then had an accident in which another driver died. And we remember now, if you remember, how God then worked in his life to restore Matt's life and put him on path for a full-time ministry. Well, let's look at again in his life. Well, what can we learn from his life? And again, how, do, how, how would it affect or how can we integrate it into our Christian life? First, rather than use things like food or drink or something like that to deal with hurt, first thing we can do is we can pour our heart to God. I know many of us are familiar with the Psalms, and we see many, many Psalms where David cried out to the Lord. And remember, the Lord heard him. I'll read a couple of them today. I'll start off with Psalm 18.6. It says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard me from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. So again, we cry out to God, exactly like David said, in my distress, I call out. So rather than turn to drink or food or something like that, let's cry out to God. Psalm 34, 1 through 6 reads this. <clears throat> and by the way, as I, as I read the scripture, I want to remember, I want to see maybe the parallels of some of the things we've talked about in the last couple of programs. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Again, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks about giving thanks in all things and trusting God to work all things together for good. So again, we see his, my praise, or it says me, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will always make a boast. I will always magnify. I will always exalt the Lord. So again, we're being encouraged here. This is what we want to do throughout our life, and especially if you want to call it that in times of trouble or times of difficulty, is magnify God, boast about God, and exalt God. One more scripture, I'm sorry, one more verse, or one more psalm, excuse me. Psalm 121, we'll read verses 1 through 2. I will lift my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So think about that. I want to lift my eyes, where? To the hills, to God, to where God is. I want to lift my eyes up there. Again, I want to magnify him. I want to boast about him. I want to exalt him, okay? <clears throat> and he is my help. A couple of little snippets or parts of verses include, He will not allow my foot to be moved. He keeps Israel and shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's my keeper. He shall preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve my soul. He shall preserve my coming and in. Sorry, my going out and my coming in. So again, we see that God is constantly, he's not sleeping. He's, he's our keeper. He's constantly watching over us. So again, when difficulties or troubles come, 
How about us turning to God, so to speak? And I say for Christians, you really should sort of do that without kind of being legalistic about it, but we should do that. And again, we want to hide the Word of God in our hearts. So when these troubles start coming against us, the Word will surface. Okay, rather than bitterness or thoughts or worry or doubt or what's going to happen or oh, my career's ruined and all this kind of stuff. We can say, I can say, I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord, where should I go? Hey, my plans have changed. God, this happened or that happened, okay? So instead of taking things like food or drink or something that's maybe something else, something external, something trying to mute the pain or just get away from it or run away from it, and that doesn't mean we don't need times of rest, but we consciously take a food or a drink or something to kind of like, so to speak, quell that nervousness, we want to go back rather than do that. We want to meditate on the Word. So again, we want to remember those words, hide them in our heart. We want to encourage ourselves with those. And don't, don't get me wrong, you the listening today. This, I'm not saying this is easier to walk in the park. We have some very difficult things in life. But during those difficult times, we want to learn, if you would call it that, or we want to practice, if you would call it that, turning to God. Remember, Jesus said, My words are life and they're health to all your soul. Remember, Jesus cried out. He cried out three or four times, majorly cried out to God. So even Jesus, who was sinless, who was perfect, who was the Son of God, he cried out. Remember, Moses cried out. And we know that many, many others cried out. So again, this is one step in our life or one step in our Christian walk that we can kind of see from Matt's life that when turbulent times come, we want to turn to God. Maybe some days it seems like we're just walking with Him and things are fine. Well, that's great, but what happens when those things aren't fine or when something comes into our life? Well, let's look at step two that we can, so to speak, integrate from Matt's life into our own life. Um, sometimes tragedies come in our life or difficulties come, and sometimes it seems hard because in Matt's situation, he caused the accident. But sometimes it seems like there's no visible or we had no visible hand or no visible action that produced this. Okay, So the point is, even though we didn't produce it or we didn't bring it in, or so to speak, we didn't want this, Okay, and again, Matt's situation, he caused the accident. It was a little bit different than something came into our life that we hadn't expected or we didn't cause. Either way, it's real. So it was real in Matt's life, and it's real in our life. For Sometimes for a Christian, we, think, we see things like, wow, the church really did split. Wow, I made this comment and I was unfairly criticized or nobody received me well or just they just don't appreciate me. Um, maybe even more severe, oh, a, a divorce had happened. This person wants to stop walking with the Lord. They, they just, just want to leave or they want to leave me. And, and wow, what's going to happen? But anyways, we want to see these actions. We want to own up to these actions. Again, take it to God and seek God so we can start a new course or a different course. What might that mean? Okay, with a church split? Maybe if there's a church split, i got to look for a new church. Maybe if my spouse or someone stops walking with the Lord, a good friend, I've got my spouse, obviously, would be a very big change in our life. It was a friend. I've got to turn to something else. I've got to find some way that I can start walking with somebody else or find a new friend, if you would, or, again, find a new church. Um... One thing that Matt did notice, he said he, he, he kind of kind of wallowed, if you would, in pity. And that's something we all have to be careful of. We don't want to wallow in pity. But we want to, so to speak, take this action. Again, in Matt's case, it was an injury that either threatened or 
his career or cut it short completely. So first thing we want to do is seek God, be patient, determine to chart a new course, and then go once we get that new course in our heart or our mind. Now, if you remember in Matt's situation, he took the most severe plea bargain. He was determined to speak to others to prevent further tragedy. And he did that, okay, and he began to actively seek the Lord. Remember, he said he was brought up as a Christian, but he really hadn't been seeking the Lord and kind of walking in these things. However, once he started this new course and he decided to include God or, so to speak, turned to God or called and cried out to God, then these things became more real in his life. And that leads to the third, so to speak, step or the third thing we can learn from his life. We want to take or we want to allow the word to move from our head to our heart. And that's the same thing that Matt said. It was in my head. I remember all those things from youth. I'd been taught these things. I'd been brought up in these things, but they really weren't in my heart. So we want to move or, so to speak, have that word move from our head to our heart. Now, in reality, the Holy Spirit's the one that does this. But our part is we just have to determine to seek God. So Matt took the plea bargain, but he included God. He didn't say, I'm going to do the plea bargain, but leave God out. No. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit inspired him to do the plea bargain in that sense. So the point is, we want to make sure that we include God, not just kind of sit on the sideline and hope this thing works out. I'll sit on the sideline, but I'm not going to be serious about the things of God. And if we do that, we can still get blessed, but I don't think we're going to get what I would call the full benefit. You know, God took Matt from a very difficult situation, gave him time to go through the, the four and a half years or so of jail, and now he's got a full-time ministry. So he took a very bad situation, and though it took some time, it was probably five or six years, so to speak, from the time that the accident happened and the plea bargain and getting into jail and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of it, he came out far better. So the point is, if we begin to see God, even at the beginning of a difficult thing, it may take some time. You remember, Abraham had to walk quite a long ways, had to go quite a long years. I mean, it was 25 years from the time when he heard, you're going to have a son to having that son. That's a long time to wait. So here we're looking at five or six years in Matt's life. And for some of us, we want to remember, I want to start with God and I want to continue with God, okay? It says, let patience have its work. Let perseverance have its work. We want to see God's, so to speak, provision in these situations. Matt just didn't want to get out of the, the jail. He just didn't want to kind of like make it through. No, he wanted to make something good out of this tragedy. He wanted to make something good out of his life. He wanted to really walk with God. So again, I'm encouraging you that are listening today. If you're in these situations, just keep seeking God so you can, so to speak, receive or reap the full benefit. Um, sometimes if we get in these situations, we may have to move. We may have to do something different. Obviously, Matt had to take the plea bargain. He had to go to four and a half years in jail. If you remember, he witnessed the people there, including a gangster, and the persons got saved. If you remembered, David said, I sought the Lord and I cried out to him. Then we hear about Elijah. Remember when Elijah was in a tough spot, God said to him, hey, man, I'm going to supply your need, but you need to go to Zarephath. And another time God said, you need to go down to the brook. And so when Elijah moved because he was seeking God, that's where provision came. So a lot of times God may be saying to us, yeah, you've got a difficult spot, but I need you to do something because your provision, your next step is going to be there. 
And it's kind of the same thing with Matt. Remember, he had to take the plea bargain. He couldn't just like to take the easy way out. But he took the plea bargain, and that led him to favor. And favor led him to, if you want to call it that, so to speak, a chance to speak to others, a chance to be used. And I bet you that's one of the reasons they let him out after four and a half years. If you remember, I believe his sentence was 10 to 15 years, okay? But he was got let out, and he's still preaching, and he's still talking today to others and preaching on the side. So again, once we have these situations, let's seek the Lord out. Let's see the solution. Then, okay, we're going to be realizing, hey, I'm trusting God here in my head. Now it's going to move to my heart. I'm going to be like Elijah. Hey, go to Zarephath. Hey, go to the brook. God's going to give me a direction. Hey, Matt, take the plea bargain. Um, I'm going to digress for one second. My, my stepdaughter was killed in a car accident. It was a very tragic situation. Um, it, was, it brought a lot of pain. My, my wife was very young in the Lord, my wife at the time, and she'd already lost a child to crib death. So it was a very, very severe trial for herself and then, of course, for myself trying to support her, let alone grieve myself. It was kind of rough in another sense, too. I just started a very exciting and a great job, and I really liked it and stuff. But I remember coming home or driving home a number of times. It would be like, how would my wife be? And hope she's okay and hope she had a good day. And, you know, just kind of like things like that. Well, a couple of years in, I felt the Holy Spirit one time said to me, do you believe Katrina, the name of the stepdaughter, my stepdaughter, is with me? And intellectually, I knew the answer. I said, okay, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm like everybody. I've read this scripture. I know the scripture. But I also recognized, okay, this is in my head, and I believe. I don't know if God was showing me that. I just recognized. It was like, Gary, intellectually, you do believe it. But is it in your heart? So I kind of like chewed on that and meditated on it a little bit and gave it a few days. And I came back to Lord and said, you know what? I know she's with you. I believe it. I know what the word said. But now that word has moved, okay, from my head to my heart. So I know that we can do it because, again, I've done it myself. Well, the fourth point we can kind of see from Matt's story is that God is with us. And I made the title of the program today. And you know that Jesus and every person in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame, they've learned that God is with them, or so to speak, with us. Remember, Moses led people or led God's people from Egypt through the Red Sea. They had rebellion. They had this. But he did it because God was with him. And you think about the difficult things, being a leader and having people, I mean, millions of people like rebel and do these crazy things they did. You remember David, he was chased by Saul. He sometimes was accepted and then rejected by the Israelites. He made a couple poor, poor choices, Bathsheba and that whole situation. But he made it through because he knew God was with him. And even Jesus, if you think about it, he had to endure the cross as well as the shame and all that rejection and things like that. But he did it because God was with him. And finally, I'll end up with Matt. Remember Matt, he gave his life to Christ as young, but he really wasn't walking with him. Then he started walking with him, and he made it through those four-plus years of prisons. He spoke to many of you during that time, and he continues to do that. And, okay, he told people, okay, about these dangers so they would not, so to speak, come into the same heartbreak that he had. But he did that because God was with him. Let's look at one story from Acts, okay, that kind of talks a little bit about this. And I also want to include some doctrine here because that's the second part, if you remember the segment of the program. The first part is living the Christian life. And the second part is putting some kind of doctrine or teaching in our lives. So as we go into the world, we have something to share. Well, let's look at Acts 18. Paul had gone to Corinth, and in verse 4 it says, 
He gave us an example. To me, this is kind of an example of him going into all the world. So verse 4, it says, He reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded both the Jews and the Greeks. Now think about that. He went every Sabbath, so he regularly tried to share his faith with others. The same thing that's kind of, if you want to call it, the point of this program and the point of the podcast is we want to regularly share as much as we can with other people, just like Paul did. Verse 5 confirms this, and it said, Paul was what? Compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. So the Spirit of God was compelling Paul. Now, maybe sometimes we don't feel this, but I've said, whether you feel it, whether you feel prompted or not, if you want to share, just share. Go share with people to the degree that you know, and the, the amount of, if you want to call it understanding or scriptures that you have, okay? And one of the important parts here is that a lot of times believers said, and I've mentioned this before, but a lot of believers say, I'm not called to witness visibly. I'm called to do good things. We all kind of understand that, but I don't need to, I don't need to witness or I don't need to include Jesus, okay? And they'll say things like, well, it's just enough to do good works, and they'll figure it out, or, or God will sometimes show them, well, it was me. Well, guess what? That, that to me begs a lot of questions, and I don't believe it's scriptural. And why do I say it begs questions? You remember that Bible says that God's heart is that all men and women shall be saved, that they'll call upon him. And here's what it says in Romans 10:14. okay? Let's listen to the specifics that the Holy Spirit included here. It says here in Romans 10:14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So God, brothers and sisters, he wants us to do good works, but he also wants us to testify. Remember, his heart is that all people will be saved. Well, if you do a good work and you don't include Christ, then again, there's a time and a place to do that. I'm not saying you have to, well, I'm giving you some food. Do you know about Jesus? Can you pray? No, there's a time and a place for that. But if you include that, you're going to be those, so to speak, you're going to be that person with the, be- the beautiful person whose feet is going to pray preach and teach as while they're dipping out food or they're doing good things. So my point is God wants us to witness. And if anybody tries to argue with that, share some of these verses to him. And there's, of course, many others I shared where God said, hey, the, the people heard the good news and they rejoiced. So if I never talk about them, the good news, well, how are they going to hear the good news? And then how are they going to rejoice? Well, they might rejoice a little bit. I gave them food or I did this. But again, the Bible says they heard the good news and they rejoiced. So we want and make sure we're including those good news. Okay, back to verse 18. Remember, Paul said he was compelled to testify. Of course, sometimes the Jews opposed him. Paul shook off his garments or shook his garments and said, Hey, your blood be on your heads. I'm not going, I'm going going now to the Gentiles. And we see that Paul did do that. And verse 8b, so this is Acts 18, 8b, says, Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. So what happened? The same thing we heard before. They heard the word. Somebody spoke the word. In this case, it was Paul. So Paul went and preached and taught. So what got them to baptize and what got them to believe? They heard the word. So again, this this whole emphasis about sharing the word. And then we're going to see how God kind of, if you want to call it, encouraged Paul. And here's what he said. So this is Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision, saying, Do not be afraid, but speak, 
and do not keep silent. For what? I am with you. Again, the title of the program, God said to Paul, I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. I have many people in this city. And it said that in verse 11, Paul stayed there, I think it was like a year and six months or a year and a half, doing what? Teaching the word of God. So the same God that's with Paul, he's with us. He wants us to go. He wants us to preach and to teach. So we can take somebody like Matt's life and see how God used him. And we might have a severe trial like that, but we may have our own trials. But as we walk through them, calling upon God, remember, as we get through this, or even walking through it, we can share the word and share the goodness of God with other people. Well, today, the part three of of each segment is I want to share a story. And I've got a great story today. And it talks about, to me, it kind of, again, I've been kind of harping on this day a little bit. It, it illustrates why we are to witness to other people, okay? This is a story, this is a story that kind of, kind of goes over 170 years. So think about that. It's over 170 years, and I'm going to kind of read it directly from the letter that I got. Um, it says, in 1855, a Sunday school teacher in Boston, a gentleman named Edward Kimball, committed to leading one of his least promising students to faith in Christ. So he really sought God about this because this was one of the least promising students. That student, his name was Dwight L. Moody. And of course, D.L. Moody went on to become one of the most celebrated and prolific soul winners in the late 1800s. Well, Moody, along the way, he awakened a passion for souls in a British pastor, F.B. Meyer. This F.B. Meyer impacted the life of another young minister, J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman also became a dynamic soul winner in the process mentoring a former professional baseball player, a gentleman named Billy Sunday. And if you've been in the faith for a while, you probably know Billy Sunday's name. And He was a very famous evangelist and stuff, and went through a couple of difficult situations with alcohol and things, but ministered to many, many people. Well, anyways, Billy Sunday's ministry took him to Charlotte, North Carolina for an evangelistic campaign. The response was so great that a group of local Christians invited another preacher, Mordecai Ham, for a follow-up event. So again, Chapman talked to Sunday. Sunday got going. They invited somebody else, Mordecai Ham, to follow up. And during Mordecai Ham's revival, only one person got saved. Can you imagine that? We were talking about these salvations and many, many people getting saved. Well, in this case, only one person got saved. But this one person had a name that you might know. And this one person went on to lead many millions to Christ. The name of that one person, of course, is Billy Graham. So think about it. Edward Kimball led Dwight L. Moody to Christ 170 years ago. He had no idea that a worldwide, century-spanning impact just through his simple obedience. And remember, Dwight L. Moody was not one of his best students. He was probably one of his least favorite. So that just means if we commit to things, God may take what maybe seems difficult, this Dwight L. Moody, this D.L. Moody guy, doesn't seem, doesn't seem very, if you want to call it, uh, promising at all. But he started, okay, well, again with Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody went to F.B. Meyer. He went to Chapman, Chapman went to Billy Sunday, da-da-da-da-da. So think about that. One person shared in 1855, and roughly 170 or so years later, Billy Graham gets saved and begins to share. So millions of people were, so to speak, came to Christ because one person in a Sunday school classroom committed to lead somebody to the Lord. 
And my point here is, I, I just, I've seen this a lot of times lately, is that we don't know the impact that we can have. We may say, hey, I'm going to share with this girl here at the Chevron station, or I'm going to go into Maverick, or I'm going to go to this, uh, this grocery store, and I'm going to talk to somebody. Well, you don't know. That somebody may talk to somebody else. They may get saved. They may kind of the same situation. So God wants to encourage us, take the gifts that you have and use them wherever you're at. You know, there was a young man at a, at a Pasadena um, City College, a community college, a junior college, if you would, that got saved. And he didn't, I don't know, he didn't respond right away. But once he got saved, I believe it's from Peru or Argentina. Well, that young man, 10 days after getting saved, was preaching to 50,000 people in Argentina. Okay? And I don't remember his name of the whole situation. It was probably 30 or 40 years ago. But then again, that's an example of one person being led to the Lord and then God taking that one person, okay, and that person shares with millions. Well, listen, hope you benefited from the program today. Think about Matt Mayer and his life and think about some of the things, some of the steps that you can integrate or we can integrate in our Christian walk. Well, thanks for joining with me today. I hope to see you next week as we go into all the world.